Phoenix Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing Ziskit, the grocery search engine that helps consumers find cheaper groceries, and six women-owned food brands to support on International Women's Day. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So just wanted to start off by uh, letting you know that today we're recording on International Women's Day. And as such, um, I wanted to sort of talk about some of the uh, woman-owned food brands uh, to, you know, for this day. And it's also March is, um, March is Women's History Month as well. So it seemed very fitting to sort of talk about some of these women-owned brands that I thought were pretty interesting. And one thing that I noticed about um, all of these brands is that something of the like did not exist. So women took it upon themselves to create what wasn't out there um, and really innovate in their individual spaces. So I'm just going to sort of talk about some of these companies um, just so that, uh, you know, we can support them in March and, and beyond. So, you know, women have made some pretty incredible strides in the food and beverage industry. Uh, and in the last four years alone, the number of startups with at least one uh, female founding member grew by 6% um, from 22 uh, percent in 2017 to 28% in 2020. But women-founded and women-led startups still only make up a fraction of startups worldwide. Uh, but to celebrate uh, women's International Women's Day, there are so many women-owned and operated food brands to support, um, and whether it's gluten-free beer or sustainably packaged healthy snacks, these women-owned food brands have really managed to fulfill a niche in the food industry and bring all sorts of unique, high-quality food products into consumers' homes. So the first one that I'll talk about is a brand called Three Wishes. Mom of two, Margaret Wishengrad, started the company Three Wishes uh, when her first son, Ellis, was born. And it's a cereal company, so she was hoping to avoid filling her cupboards with cereals that were just desserts masquerading as breakfast. So in 29, she decided to develop her own gluten-free, grain-free version of the staple. And it's packed with protein, made from nutrient-dense ingredients rather than fillers like rice and corn. Um, Three Wishes is made of chickpea, tapioca, and pea protein, and is sweetened with only organic cane sugar, along with natural flavors like monk fruit and cinnamon. And I've written about another healthy cereal brand before that sort of tries to imitate um, popular cereals like Fruit Loops and Cheerios, but this one is specifically designed um, for children as well as to not sort of get them addicted to these very sugary cereals. Um, so one of their most highly rated is the cinnamon flavor, um, and they have other flavors like honey and cocoa, and they can be found on the company's direct-to-consumer website, and on Amazon, and as well in uh, select retailers like Whole Foods and Wegmans. Secondly, um, I'll talk about the Holiday Brewing Company. So Karen Hertz went through quite a bit in her life. She survived melanoma and thyroid cancer, and she switched to a gluten-free diet. 
uh, but as such, she was enabled. She was unable to find a certified gluten-free beer that could live up to you know other beers that she was used to having. Um, but she put in years of research and taste testing, and she developed a craft beer that was brewed with gluten-free millet and buckwheat. And since then, the Holiday Brewing Company has found massive, massive success. So one of the beers. Um, you know, that people with celiac and beer lovers alike can enjoy is their Riva Stout. So it's a 6.5% alcohol by volume stout uh, that tastes like licorice, coffee, and chocolate. And it, along with the brand's many other gluten-free beers, can also be found online via the company's direct-to-consumer website, as well as in tap rooms and select beer stores across the U.S., the third company is called Beckon Ice Cream. So for a long time, there's been lactose-free ice creams on the market, but few were as rich as and creamy as Beckon Ice Cream. So Katie Flannery and Gwen Berlingame developed the ice cream and they formed the company and worked their way up from tabling at their f- local farmer's market to being placed in the ice cream aisle in major retailers. So they have a popular flavor called sea salt and chocolate chip. And I was reading that this uh, flavor was actually developed by accident when a little too much salt was included um, in the recipe one time and it became a massive success. So they developed it into a flavor um, and consumers just wouldn't know that it was lactose free either. They also have other flavors like dark chocolate brownie, peanut butter cup, and cookies and sweet cream, which can all be found on the webs- on the company's direct-to-consumer website, as well as in select retailers like Sprouts and Whole Foods. Next uh, is a company focused um, on sustainability from a full-time chef and mom, Camila Marcus. So she developed a line of waste uh, of zero waste plant-based food products inspired by the Los Angeles food scene called Westbourne. So rather than plastic, which is probably the most commonly used um, for packaging, the company's pantry staples are packaged in carbon-friendly glass, recycled boxes, and sustainably sourced wood cellulose bags. So that makes all of the products fully compostable and non-toxic. Uh, one of their most popular products is their chili oil, um, which is just one of the company's many sustainably packaged spice mixes, and it includes only simple ingredients like um, organic olive oil, Aleppo peppers, ginger, and garlic. And the snacks, uh, the brand snacks, spices, and pastry goods are available also through Westbourne's direct-to-consumer shop, and it also offers custom catering in select cities. So the next one is a jerky company, and I thought I should highlight this one because beef jerky is a snack that I would stereotypically associate with being consumed by men, but Ashley Cohn wanted to change that narrative to include women. So she is a health-conscious celiac with food allergies, um, and she founded Prevail after being unable to find high-protein snacks free from the top eight allergies. So with the help of her husband, Glenn, she created a beef jerky that could be enjoyed by all. So they have an original flavor along with a bunch of unique flavors like lemongrass. Um, it's 100% grass-fed, cherrywood smoked beef, and it's also soy and gluten-free, paleo, and keto certified. So its products can be found online via the company's direct-to-consumer website as well as in select natural and health food stores across the U.S. 
And lastly, um, a drink company called Swoon was developed uh, by Jennifer Ross. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes during her childhood, so she was always looking for a tasty zero-sugar beverage um, since then. And in 2015, she decided to take matters into her own hands with the help of her best friend and mother of three, Christina Ross Blankfield. Sorry, Blankfeen. Christina Ross Blankfeen. Swoon was born when the two reimagined classic drinks like iced tea and lemonade with plant-based ingredients, no artificial additives, and zero sugar. Uh, But they're also um, in it for another cause as well. So for every case of Swoon Lemonade, the company donates one can to the Boys and Girls Club of Madison Square to support healthy eating in their clubhouses and food pantries. So Swoon's drinks can be purchased online via the company's direct-to-consumer shop or in select national retailers like Walmart. Now, of course, these are just some of the many uh, women-owned food brands that have found success in recent years, Uh, but certainly be sure to look out for others during the month of March and beyond. So, um, you know, just having heard about some of these companies, I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on on the sort of innovation and and potentially the different mindset that women may have towards food, uh, you know, from just being mothers or having their own personal experiences and not being able to find things that, you know, uh, they, they need or, or they would want. So yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on these companies? Yeah, well, it's, it's very noticeable that all six of them arised because there was an unmet consumer need that um, these women noticed and they really decided to take it upon their own hands and, you know, develop a company that produces a product that can meet that unmet consumer need, which may sound easy to do, but it's, I can't, I can't even imagine how difficult that is. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing that really stood out to me as well, that uh, these women founded these companies based on their own personal experiences and and, and needs that um, probably a lot of other women are um, experiencing as well. So I think just having that uh, level of sort of um, understanding or just being cognizant of that, I think that was uh, really interesting here. Uh, not to say that men don't have that or anything, but I think, um, and then the, the, I think the beef jerky was also quite interesting because, uh, yeah, it's not a food that you typically associate like women like to have. Again, those are all our cultural, you know, and social, uh, sort of uh, stereotypes that we have and carry sometimes unknowingly. Right. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And, um, I think, you know, we can compare women's leadership styles to men, but, you know, as long as at the end of the day, you know, they're running these amazing companies, um, they're contributing to society, they're putting out a great product. Um, does it really matter, like, what the leadership style is as long as, you know, at the end of the day, the outcomes are, are great, right? So I think that's kind of... Um, and I think it's also a misconception that, oh, well, women tend to be more emotional or softer in their approach or something or understanding. I mean, I, there's that's also a stereotype, right? Or that maybe there's a subset of women who are overly ambitious or bossy. So we can't, we get labeled a lot with these kinds of tags and categorized as, okay, well, if you're not the bossy assertive type, you are the emotional type. And somehow that's a bad thing or that takes away from 
what you can do as a leader or an owner of a company. So I think really we need to kind of get away from these tags and categorizations and just take a look at the work and the products and let that let those things speak for themselves. That's right. And and the more that, you know, girls and young women see other women um, in these positions of leadership in the food industry yeah. and elsewhere, the more it will encourage them and, and, you know, make them see that they can do it too. Exactly. Yeah, something that's a little off topic, but that I noticed is that um, many of these companies and if they're startups, they have their own direct to consumer website, which I'll definitely be more aware about in the future. Um, you know, I've I've rarely bought food from a direct-to-consumer website, but it seems like it's really growing in popularity now. So I'll be sure to check that out. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, arose, not necessarily arose, but uh, gained a lot of popularity during COVID, um, just with more things being shipped and, and uh, it becoming more difficult to, to get products in stores. Um, so I think e-commerce in the food industry has been growing over the last few years. Um, and it's it's just another reason too is that uh, it, it makes things a little more accessible. We're in Canada, for example, and most of these companies I was talking about were American-based. So um, they if they offer shipping around the world, it gives everyone an opportunity to try these products that they wouldn't be able to find in stores. So it's very true. That's definitely a growing thing um, with small companies too. I think a lot of the time they'll start with direct to consumer and try to get their foot in the door with grocery stores. And a lot of them also um, sell in, in national chains and, and, and smaller stores as well. So, um, and that in itself is, is a huge feat um, to be able to do. So yeah, these are some pretty powerful women. The other thing that's um, th that's a potential benefit to you know all of these women it, you know in these women-owned businesses and businesses and companies is um, the employees. Uh, for example, if you have female employees in, in a woman-led company, would there be a greater level of understanding for things like childcare or a greater sort of um, you know, awareness of that. And I think, you know, we've seen during the pandemic that um, women had a disproportionate burden of things like childcare falling onto them. And so, you know, a lot of women were burning out and had that extra burden that they were feeling. So, um, you know, with women-led companies, I think um, the culture would be more um, open and aware to those kinds of needs. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think any woman would, you know, that has other women colleagues um, or just women mm -hmm. on their team can feel a sort of, um, you know, just inherent understanding, relatability, relatability understand. toward each yeah. other. And um, yeah, I, I do. I didn't really look into, uh, you know, all of the employees of these companies, but I can only imagine that women are at the forefront uh, of a lot of them. All right, so moving on, I want to talk about uh, a really interesting um, grocery piece of grocery news. So I came across this company called Ziskit, um, and it is a grocery search engine that allows food insecure customers and those that reside in food deserts to find the best price food items located near them. 
So this is an Atlanta-based startup, and its its aim is to just save customers hours of coupon clipping and aimlessly driving from store to store to get the best price on food. And at a time when inflation is on the rise, Ziskit allows everyone to locate cheaper groceries with ease. So this search engine was founded by Mark Peterson. He's an Alabama native, and growing up, he watched his mother struggle to afford weekly groceries. And, you know, he watched his mother spend hours flipping through flyers for coupons that would take her uh, to four or more stores just to find the best deals. So he was really motivated by this experience as a child um, to launch Ziskit, and he did so in December of 2019. So how does it work? Customers are, will sign up on a website or mobile app and they'll upload their grocery list and they'll instantly be able to find the cheapest total bills based on their list. So in order to maximize savings, users can set various parameters by widening the radius of travel from home um, and the number of stores they're willing to visit. So just like what Kayak.com did for flights and hotels when it first began, Ziskit uses bots that systematically browse the internet called web crawlers to, uh, to pull prices, um, price data from supermarket websites like Dollar General to Publix to Walmart, depending on the area. And to ensure that it's up to date, this information refreshes frequently and users can access it for free. And they can also report uh, if there's any pricing issues as well on the website. So Ziskit currently earns revenue through advertising and survey products. And the site can honestly be used by anyone that's interested in saving money. Um, and it comes at a time, like I said, when inflation has pushed grocery prices to a 40-year high. So food prices on average increased 49% between May 2020 and January 2022. But Ziskit hopes to cater specifically to the estimated 38 million food insecure households in the U.S., as well as Americans who live in food deserts or areas where access to healthy food, nutrition is lacking. So in a press release, Peterson said, the only way for these shoppers to fight back is to clip coupons and make multiple stops during a shopping trip to save money. Unfortunately, despite the hours they invest uh, preparing to shop, they're only saving pennies. And despite popular belief, food supply shortages aren't uh, aren't the issue when it comes to food insecurity. Rather, it's hunger that, um, and, and that's a logistical problem. So cheap food is readily available, but resolving the problem involves aggregating the demand and just getting the supply to those that need it the most. And that's what Ziskit is setting out to do. So um, the company got help from startup accelerators like the Techstars Farm to Fork program, which invested $140,000, as well as the Google Startups um, Google for Startups Founders Academy. So Ziskit has already launched in four zip codes in the Atlanta metro area, and it has its sights set on 23 other U.S. cities, um, each with substantial shares of its target demographic, after which it would eventually like to expand even further. Peterson is hopeful to not only help consumers save money um, more efficiently, but also help smaller retailers like ones his, mother's, his mother used to frequent um, to meet demand and keep prices low. So I thought this was such a brilliant idea. I couldn't even believe that it was the first of its kind. Um, and I've, I've talked about um, some other apps that you can that help people save money on groceries, but those were um, involving food that was about to expire um, or just excess food. But this one was truly just searching the web, finding the lowest prices um, and helping people 
get that easily rather than flipping through flyers. So I thought this was brilliant. I would love to see it expand. Um, and I just love that it was, you know, inspired by uh, what what he saw in his childhood. So yeah, what do you guys think about this? Um, is it something you would use? Um, do you value convenience more than, uh, you know, saving money? What do you think? I think like, I remember when I was younger, I just feel like in the days before the internet was really huge, I just feel like we were getting flyers more often, mm. right? And it was, it was helpful, you know, but I feel like today I mostly just get flyers from and coupons from McDonald's, right? Mm. So I don't oh, really... And Subway. Oh, I don't even get, maybe, maybe, or okay. Pizza Hut or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like back in the day before the internet, we would get much more flyers with coupons for food. And I feel like people today are probably getting less of that. So having an online like engine to search for that would be extremely helpful. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think this is such a great and such a, an obvious idea kind of a thing um, in our digital age now. So um, it, it's really great, I think. And, you know, with food prices going up, like, you know, I, I was one of those people that did not really care about my food prices, which, which is really bad to say. Um, but uh, now, like, you know, you, you notice it there, there's a, there's a difference in your, you know, in your bills. And so, I think um, this is such a, a great uh, app and uh, I think it's going to really help a lot of people. And yeah, I think, yeah, back in the day, Vera, like you're saying, um, you know, as a kid, I remember like just being excited, looking through like flyers for back to school stuff. I was such a nerd, but anyway, circling stuff. I was like, I want that and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for the adults, it was like looking at the sales and stuff like that. Um, and the coupons, but yeah, you don't have any more of that really. And so I wonder if like the supermarkets and grocery stores are benefiting from, from that, right? Like there are less consumers looking because they're not accessible anymore. The coupons and the deals as I think they were once before. I know everything is online, but come on, how many people are actually going to click coupons online? You know, I don't really think that's a trend. So I think this is a really great app to have. Um, I just wonder about the accessibility for like older people mm -hmm. who may not be too familiar with technologies like, um, or may not even have a cell phone and things like that. So mm -hmm. uh, that's probably a bit of a barrier, but I think just keeping up with the times, I think this is just you know, a very obvious thing, but it's great that Ziskit brought it together. And it's also, it's, it's great that, uh, you know, it's, I feel like it'll help shift the mindset um, of people who are maybe food insecure and have relied on like fast food and just mm -hmm. cheaper foods for a while. And yeah. hopefully it gives them more hope that they can find cheaper, mm -hmm. nutritious, like fresh food, um, you know, whether it's to supplement or it becomes their entire, like, you know, yeah. grocery trip. Um, and, you know, until the government subsidizes healthier foods, this is kind of the best mm -hmm. we've got. And um, it's a shame that uh, areas are subsidized that are, you know, less nutritious and less healthy. Yep. Uh, but hopefully with time, those prices can be brought down just naturally and they're, you know, this doesn't even need to be a thing, but I can't see, you know, a massive shift anytime soon. So yeah. this, this is such a great way to help people 
you know, just find healthy and nutritious food that they can afford. Um, and I, I, I like that it's targeted toward people, you know, in food deserts and that are food insecure yeah. because they really do need it. Um, and you're, you're totally right. It's always a, a struggle when, when we're, you know, using technology um, to be, to make it accessible to, you know, older people. Um, not really sure how they work or their way around that one, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, a really, really good uh, point that you uh, stress there about um, this being available to people um, and, and really being targeted to people living in food deserts and food insecure uh, households. I think that's, uh, it'll be really useful for them to see that, yeah, there are uh, healthy options there that um, are affordable. Cause I think that's just been such a perception, uh, you know, a pervasive perception that, you know, healthier foods are always going to be so expensive. That's not always the case. Um, right. So I think this is a really great tool for, um, food insecure households. Sure. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X talks food podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate review and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com, or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.